Well, amen. As we continue our Christmas series of Christmas interruptions, we've looked at several different interruptions, and today I want us to look at the world's interruptions. You know, there have been interruptions in our world that we live in today, and these interruptions are nothing new. It's not something that's just started. Actually, interruptions in our world today began in the very beginning of time. The very beginning of our Bible talks about how there was nothing but God. And God created the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars and the sun and the ground and the water. And he put the vegetation and all the animals. And then he come to the highlight of all of his creation. And that was you and I. God created man. He created man in a perfect way, in a way to have a relationship with him. But all of a sudden, there became an interruption in the world. When that snake tempted Eve and she took that fruit, the moment she bit the fruit and then gave to her husband, there was an interruption in the world. Sin entered the world. Because of that sin, not only was there the interruption of sin, but there was the interruption of a separation of relationship between God and between man. We hear in Scripture very quickly how God would come in the cool of the day and he would walk with mankind. Can you imagine walking face to face with God? And that's exactly what Adam and Eve would do. But the relationship came when the sin entered in. They hid themselves. And God came and he came and he said, Adam, where are you? And I know you've heard me say this before. God didn't ask Adam where he was because he didn't know. Our God is all-knowing. Amen. He knows everything. Or maybe we should say, oh, me, instead of amen. But he knows everything. But he wanted Adam to confess or to admit where he was. I hid myself. And then from then on, interruptions have been a part of our world. There was an interruption in Mary's life. There was the interruption in Joseph's life. And then we were going to talk a little bit last week about an interruption to some men who were out in a field on a mountain. An interruption in the middle of their night. Imagine that you're a shepherd for just a moment. You're out there, you're responsible for these sheep. But let me figure in a little bit of who these shepherds were. These shepherds were watching the sheep that would be used as the sacrifice in the temple. They were to protect them and to watch over them. But the sad thing about it, because they were shepherds, and they were dealing with the death and the broken parts of the animals, they often were not allowed into the temple. They're good enough to watch the sacrifice, but they're not good enough to come in. And in the middle of the night, they're maybe got that little fire. It's probably died down. They've bunkered up with them, maybe took off their robe to make a little pillow. And it's just quiet. Every now and then you might hear a little sheep bleed or the crackle of the firewood. It's dark. Remember now, this was 2,000 years ago. The city lights didn't light up like they do tonight. You can go out tonight and see because the city lights, they didn't have that. It was dark. When all of a sudden there was an interruption 
and it was bright, and the angels came to bring them the good news. They're bringing them the good news of about what is to happen. Today we've lit the candle of love, and we're going to talk about love today. If you have your Bibles, if you will open them, I know we've looked at this passage, but I want us to to take a little bit of it again. Matthew chapter 1, the first gospel, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Once you have turned there, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he has saved his people from their sin. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father God, we come to you this morning. Father, I ask that you would speak to us, Lord, as we're here to worship you, Father. Father, would you help us to understand in, in a new light, Father? I believe every time we come to Christmas, Lord, we, we want to learn. We need to learn something new about you. Because, Father, the knowledge of you is beyond our comprehension, but we can learn a little bit each and every time. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes to you. Father, would you help me to step aside, Lord? Would you speak through me? And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We've worked our way through each week these candles of hope, peace, joy, and love. We come and we we light this last candle before we come tonight and light the center candle. Love, love gets thrown around all over the place. Come Valentine's, you know, somebody made mention to me, I think it was Nicole the other day, and I saw, two days ago, if you were to go into a store, there were no Christmas decorations. It was already Valentine's. I mean, you go in before Thanksgiving, and it's Christmas. And Christmas ain't here, they got it all down. Love sells. People talk about, I love you. And we have puppy love, and there is a true love, and that's what I want us to look at. I want us to understand that this love that's represented with this candle has a very special meaning. And to do that, the first thing I want us to talk about today is what is love? 
if it's not just a word we throw around, what is love? And let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've probably heard these verses before. But I want us to spend some time, if we're going to talk about God and we're going to talk about love and Christmas and love, what is love? Spend just a few moments here as we look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Let me read to you these verses and then I want us to look at them. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love... I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me Nothing. Let me pause there. He's going through the fruit of the Spirit. He's going through some pretty good things. If he has a, a language that he can speak, uh, and he can speak in the, it says the tongue and the language of angels. And he says, if he don't have love, then it's just a noisy gong. It's a clanging, unenticing sound. It would just make you want to cringe. I imagine it probably to about the sound if I took fingernails and just ran them down the chalkboard. You know, you just, ugh, if you don't have love. And then he says that, you know, if he has prophecy, you know, if you have the gift of prophecy and, and you can do these things and you know the mysteries and you have enough faith, that faith of a mustard seed that could move the mountains. What a great thing that is, and it's a great thing for God. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. And then he goes on and says, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. So this love must really be something big. If it outweighs everything else, let me just read to you. It's not up there, but that verse 13 says, But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So church, today I want us to take a moment and understand what is this love that we hear about throughout the Bible? What is this love that is greater than anything else? What is this love that we talk about? When we talk about love in our Advent candle, look at verse 4. It says, love is patient. It's not in a hurry. It's not all up, what's the next season so we can make, make the next buck. Love isn't running around trying to, to do all these things. Love isn't giving everything. It says that it's patient. Maybe we could say it's slow. It says their love is kind. There's something different about love and how we treat other people. You can tell someone who has love by the way that they're patient and the way that they're kind. It also tells us in verse 7 that love bears all things. This is a hard one. When we get to looking at bears, all things, love goes through things. Let me tell you, when you're in a marriage, y'all know this, and when you love someone, 
there's just some things that you bear and you get through. Our world today don't understand that. I was just hearing someone talk the other day, and they were kind of proud of it. They were dating. They were engaged. They were fixing to be getting married. They wanted to go and, and buy a house. I mean, damn, they're doing it all right. And then she said, we want to go ahead and get the house now because we ain't lived together yet. And we want to see how it's going to work. That's not patient. It's not kind. Love is a commitment when it becomes a love between a man and a woman. And a marriage, there's something special about that. But even love and friendship, I tell you, there's times that I go through some hard stuff and I have to have friends come along. There's times you go through things and you have to have friends that come along. And there's times we have friends that go through things. And we get down in the mud with them and we go through it. It says it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. That's something special. Love never fails. But here's what it's not. Back at verse 4, it says it's not jealous. It says it doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked, referring back to being patient. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. So there's something different about a love. And scripture tells us that people know who we are. That we belong to God because of love. So we're going to refer back to this in just a second. But that's what love is. But the second thing I want us to look at is not is what is love. But if we're talking about Jesus, maybe we need to look that God is love. Amen? Can I hear amen on that? God is love. It tells us over in 1 John, toward the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let me read these. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But this, by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation <clears throat> for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It tells us very quickly that God is love. You remember I talked about there was an interruption with sin and a separation and we said that love is patient and love is kind. Love doesn't boast. Well, we see here that God is love. And it says that the love of God was manifested in us. But God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live in him. God is love. Let me tell you, he's patient and he's kind, church. Because the moment we sinned the first time. God had all right in the world to go 
and be done with us. But he didn't. Can you imagine the patience God had with the Israelite nation as he chose to use them, to work through them, to to bring the Old Testament to us and the times that he would go and save them and then they would turn their backs on him again and he'd save them and he'd turn their backs on him again and the times that we, he saves us and we turn our back on him and we choose to sin again even though that we've been forgiven and he's patient and kind and time and time again and he's still there. He said he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live. Church, the moment we sin, we begin dying that very moment. Actually, the moment we sin, we were dead. We were dead in our sins and our relationship with God. But he wanted us to live. So God is love that we might live through him. Verse 10 says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sin. Let me tell you what, God must have a lot of love. Because we read in other parts of scripture that while we were his enemy, while we were in our sin, while we were spitting in his face, He was kind and he was patient and he loved us and he sent his son to pay the price for our sin. Remember I said God is love. We looked at love a while ago. It says that love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous. I had to spend a little bit of time thinking about this and researching because We know God is love. Can we all agree with that? We see that in scripture. We read here what love is. It says love is not jealous. Love does not boast. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteous. But can't we turn somewhere in scripture and read where God said I'm a jealous God? I said, oh God, how do I do this? I'm telling them what love is. I'm going to tell them that you're love. Believe there's a difference, and I want you to listen to this. When it says here that love is not jealous, it's not arrogant, it doesn't boast up. This jealous, love is not jealous. It doesn't want what someone else has to make them better. You've seen people jealous. Oh, I like that car. I want that. I'm jealous of that. You're wanting what someone else has. Love is not jealous. But when God says that I'm a jealous God, if we look at jealous as wanting what someone else has, you don't have anything God needs. God's jealous for you because he wants you to worship because he wants to boast about you and not him. He wants what's best for you. And he knows that worshiping him and his ways is best because when you come after him, the relationship is restored. Do you see the difference? Human love, when we talk about jealousy, is we want something else. We we brag, we get puffed up about ourselves. And also it says that love never fails. And church, let me tell you this, and I know you know this, God will never, ever fail you. If you ever think he's failed you, you come and talk to me and let's look and see. But I can promise you, 
that God will never fail you. Why? Because God is love. God never wants to take anything away from you to make himself better. He's not jealous of the money you have. You know why? He gave you what you have. He's got a cow on a thousand hills that says there's nothing. The only thing God really wants from us is love. And guess what? He gave us that. He gave us that in his son. So God is love. We've looked at what love is. We've briefly here looked at that God is love. But if we take all this to put together, what is love? God is love. We've lit a candle here representing love. And we talk about that in conjunction with the manger scene. So I believe if we put all that together, I could tell you thirdly today that Christmas is love. Amen? Christmas is love. What do I mean by that? Well, it told us over here when we were looking at God is love that he sent his only begotten son into the world in verse 9 and in verse 10, but that he sent his son to be our appropriation. And back in our gospel of Matthew, it said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Christmas is love. Everything about the real Christmas is love. I think the world was a little bit jealous and they come up with their own idea of Christmas because it makes good for selling and making money and they want to be a part. But the true gift of Christmas is what's going to show up here tonight is a little baby, an interruption into the world. You see, the world was on its own pace. It was building and growing and multiplying out. And most people were happy living the way they want. King Herod was happy the way he wanted. And all of a sudden, he had an interruption when he heard about a baby being born that was going to be king. The interruption from the darkness to the light. You see, that's what Christmas is. You see, I began with the interruption in the world. You remember we had sin and we had separation. But what Jesus is, this Christmas gift, is love, is it is the remission of our retribution. Jesus came to be the one that would pay our price. What price? We hear about it all the time. He came to die on the cross. Well, we don't crucify people on the cross anymore. No, but sin came in and it became a problem between us and God. And God demanded that there be death for sin. So Christmas is love. God isn't wanting what we have. God is giving us what we don't need. I mean, what we need and what we can't pay for. Not only was it the remission of the retribution, but Jesus restores the relationship. The relationship was severed. There was separation at the beginning of time. And now at Christmas, Christ came. What a gift. You could probably debate this maybe but Jesus didn't have to come Bible tells us he was obedient 
and he came. He never left or gave away his glory. He never emptied himself of anything. He was all God. He was all man. He came and put on flesh and clothed over the glory. We could not have stood to see that. He chose to not use his powers. You look in scripture, he never used a power that he had as God in a selfish manner or for his own self. Go look at them. They were all for other people. He was healing other people. But every time he did it, he did it to prove that he was fulfilling prophecy. When John the Baptist sent and said, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? What did he say? Look, the lame walk, the blind see. The prophecy was being done. Jesus came to be our gift because God loves you. He loves me. He loves this world. He loves everyone. Spoke to someone one time before. Well, if God loves everyone, why does he send people to hell? Number one, God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose to go there if we choose to not receive what he has. But let me tell you one other thing about that. In God's love, he allows those who choose to not receive him to go to hell. Because what kind of love would it be that did not uphold to his word? And he said, sin demands death. The interruption into a world and the life, this Jesus came to be that special someone. The interruption into the world, born as a baby with a destiny. A destiny from here to there. Why? Who would do that? Love would do that. And his ultimate destiny was from there to there. And because of the interruptions, we have a living Lord and Savior. Amen? Wow. A lot of interruptions in life. But so grateful that we can see interruptions in Scripture and see that when those interruptions happen, God had something in store for those whose life was interrupted. So let me give you the news today. When you have an interruption in your life that is not caused by you, there's something good that God's wanting to do in your life. We look at interruptions as problems, but maybe we could look at them as a blessing. Amen? May you bow your heads this morning.